No sports almanacs were harmed in the making of this particular podcast. Live from Rochester, New York, the home of the heat wave that we've all expected and somehow dreaded nonetheless, this is FC3's Monkey Business, your one-stop shop for everything geeky and everything can be geeky if you love it enough. Starring Dan Carmen, starring Billy DeTori, starring Tanya Metris, and starring, oh, some schmuck named Chris who doesn't remember his lines half the time. Oh, that'd be me. Hi. <laughs> Hi. Sitting in for Dan today, because he's not able to be with us this weekend, will be Juno the Wonder Dog, who's currently trying to figure out how to get my attention. And that's not and working out for her. And it's weird, because I don't see my name up there. Yeah, you see Dan's. Dan. We, we are actually apart from each other. We don't actually have the physical location together. So we're back on Zencaster this weekend. And, and of course, it was a, a normal podcasting day, as I had technical issues on my end. Yes. So he was in the process of talking to me about his new job. And and Tyler is continually interrupting you, so it's back to almost the old ways of things. Yeah, um, and my whole computer shut down because we had a brownout over here. Oh, so boy. we are going to try our very, um, our very best, best to get this done before <laughs> there's any other potential situations. Right. So uh, can we just like... So uh, we're not going to spend a lot of time... We're not going to spend a lot of time catching up like we normally do. We're just going to go ahead and just say, hey, look, gang, we're going to be talking about uh, the next in our recent series. We've started the Back to the Future trilogy. Uh, last week, we did Back to the Future Part 1 and uh, and had a fun conversation about that. This week, we are going to be talking about Back to the Future Part 2, which I will admit I didn't watch until this morning so that I actually have it fresh in my head because this movie is a chaotic mess. It's an absolute chaotic disaster and you really but it's think so? but it's fun there's it's a lot a- of fun parts to it you know it's I, I i i hesitate to call it a good movie but i would definitely not call it a bad movie i call uh, it a flawed good movie flawed. Uh, yeah well i'll go with that i can go with that very easily that's 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 a viable one because but like when, a, when it first came out critics mm-hmm. didn't like it at all to be honest i remember critics didn't like it and it sort of influenced me not to go to the theater to see it Despite mm-hmm. really loving the first one. Right. And I eventually caught it second run at like an old second run theater. If you remember Westgate Plaza used yes. to have a movie theater. That mm. showed right, right. Run. And I, so I eventually saw it there. And I was pleasantly surprised because I was expecting something terrible. And, I, and, and I've seen it a bunch of times since. And there's certain parts of it I hate. And we'll get to that. And yeah. certain parts of it I love. And other parts that I don't understand. In fact, I, I rewatched it yesterday and caught a joke I never caught before, and it made me laugh out loud. Okay, so <laughs> we'll definitely get to that. But um, I'm on Rotten Tomatoes right now. Yes. The tomato meter from the critics is 66. percent Wow. The audience score is 85. percent And that I wonder seems, if there's a lot of. Go ahead. And that seems to be when the critics don't like the movie, the fans do, or the audience does. I also wonder if there's a nostalgia factor involved in that and might have gotten a boost in recent years because people are looking back at 2015 now, which is the future date in this particular movie. But um, so let's do let's do the basics. Back to the Future Part Two, 1989 American science fiction film directed yet again by Robert Zemeckis. It was written by Bob Gale. It is the sequel to the 1985 film Back to the Future and the second installment in the franchise. Uh, film stars once again Michael J. Fox, Christopher Lloyd, Leah Thompson, Tom Wilson, uh, and the film follows Marty McFly and his friend Doc Emmett Brown 
uh, as they travel from 1985 to 2015 to prevent Marty's son from sabotaging the McFly's family future. Uh, when their arch nemesis Biff Tannen steals Doc's DeLorean time machine and uses it to alter history for his benefit, the duo must then return to 1955 to restore the timeline. Uh, it was a $40 million budget. It went $336 million at the box office, so definitely got everybody's attention and, and did pretty well there. Uh, it ranked as the third highest grossing film in 1989. Now, reception of the film has improved with time as the performances, story, direction, cinematography, musical score, etc., etc., have been singled out for praise. Some critics have noted it as one of Zemeckis' best films, as well as one of the best sequels of all time. I myself would disagree with that. I think, and you know, as Billy, as you said, a flawed good movie, I would think it is a great setup movie. It was a movie that acknowledged it is a stepping stone from point A to point C in this case. I mean, when you have a time travel movie, you really can't go from point A to point B. I'd say from point C to point A. I don't know. But I, I it was like, and as I said before we started recording, in my opinion, this movie is a delightful, chaotic disaster of a mess. It's just so much going on, especially in the first sequence, because they don't spend a lot of time in 2015. It's more of just... It's a trope that, or, or it's a tool that they use to kind of move the plot forward. And you can already see, and, and we'll talk about it down the road. They were already filming uh, Back to the Future 3 at the same time they were finishing up 2. Um, so you can see how 3 is being laced, references to 3 are being laced in mm -hmm. uh, as it goes. But it was just, it was just. I mean, I was uncomfortable watching it for a little while this morning. Well, I'm just kind of like going, oh, God, when, can I stop and just fake my way through the podcast today? <laughs> you know, this really was on my mind on a couple of occasions. <laughs> You're right about the, the opening sequence, which, no, or, you know, not the very opening sequence, which is the replay, the reshoot of the end of Back to the Future, Future 1. one. Mm -hmm. Right, because they recast um, Jennifer from Claudia Wells to Elizabeth Shue. Yep, uh, because she was taking care of her mom who uh, was sick. Mm -hmm. uh, she couldn't play Jennifer. And they also used that as a uh, way to uh, shoot it from Biff's viewpoint of seeing the DeLorean take off. The right. 1980, the revised 1985 Biff who's washing George McFly's car. Right. He's the flying DeLorean to sort of set that up, which right. they didn't show in, at the end of the first movie. So you you get to 2015, and that to me is the the worst segment of the movie. Mm -hmm. Not necessarily. I, I like when you know, Marty originally gets to explore the town, goes into the cafe 80s. To yeah. me, that's all cute. Uh, has the the fight with Griff. I was gonna say Biff, but mm -hmm. uh, Biff's grandson Griff. And uh, takes over for his own son, blah, blah, blah. And that's all cute because they, they show what the Cubs winning the 2015 World Series. Right. But in 1985, they weren't far off. The Cubs won in 2016. Yes. Which they only missed by a year. And the Marlins, I forget what year they joined the league. I want to say 93, 94-ish. I can look that up. The Miami, or they were the Florida Marlins at the time. But at the, right. at the time... Major League Baseball in Florida, the idea was sort of ridiculous. So right. the fact that they had a Miami team 
in 2015 is pretty uh, pretty amazing. <clears throat> Excuse me. Yeah, they, they kind of nailed that. Um, let's see. It doesn't say here. Oh, the, they began in 1993. Okay. So That's the cool. team the team was started um, four years after the movie was made. Yeah, that's amazing. Yeah, so the, I mean the, they they got a lot of stuff right. Like when you go into uh, Marty and Jennifer's 2015 house, uh huh. It's basically Alexa. Turn on the lights. Right. Disney channels 18, 24, 106, 302, and, mm-hmm. and the weather. And just channel. the commentary on the overload of information. The kid actually called up six channels and was watching all six at the same time. That's just like, wow, doesn't that speak to the way society really actually mm-hmm. is right now in the 21st century? Just overload of information. You know, having like a thumb pad is your ID to get in your house. I think that exists. I'm pretty sure it does. Or a lock, you, you have sort of a touch screen now. I think you can. Mm-hmm. So mm-hmm. They, they got a lot of things right. But to me, that dinner sequence is the worst part of the movie. Yes. Oh, it's so bad. It, it, it feels like everybody's overdubbing their lines. Yeah. I don't understand. I, they couldn't get Crispin Glover for the movie to play right. George. So they, they had a, 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 they had basically what turned out to be a, what they boiled down to us. Um, um, an upside down a, stunt double. Yeah. An upside down stunt double, but it was a contract dispute with Crispin, Crispin Glover or something like that. Yeah, they, And he wanted more money. And yeah, so they wound up not using them. Now, my question of that is when they go back to the alternate 1985, George McFly's dead. Why didn't mm-hmm. he just kill him for the 2015 sequence? Why couldn't he have been dead for 2015 instead of having the fake upside down George McFly? Well, at that time, when they went to 2015, they were still in the quote unquote unaltered timeline. Yeah, but they still could have like had him you no know, have a heart. They still could have not had him there, to be honest. Yeah. Even, even just say he was on a book tour or something. You know, even and- by having him there. And I'm sure there's there's a time where we can talk about, I mean, we can probably have an entire podcast about roles that were recast midstream, you know, like Game of Thrones was notorious for it, or, you know, Charmed when they re- when they removed um, Shannon, uh, Shannon Doherty and replaced her with Rose McGowan and, and all, you know, there's there's lots of different casting things. Star Trek, you know, where you had uh, Savick played by Kirstie Alley and now Robin mm-hmm. Curtis and, you know, stuff mm-hmm. like that. You know, you wonder, well, why didn't they just do it differently? And but we have the luxury of being armchair quarterbacks, yeah. especially in the mm-hmm. job of being podcasters. We have mm-hmm. <clears throat> this ability to kind of sit back and go, "Well, why didn't you know? We could have done it better." <laughs> yeah, I just my favorite joke of, or actually a joke I'd never noticed before happened uh-huh. during that sequence. Though when Marty gets home from work, okay, uh, he turns on the security system and says. Uh, Turn on Libyan mode. Oh, Jesus. And that made me laugh because I'd never noticed it before. (laughs) I didn't even notice it this time, too. So I'm glad you pointed that out. Turn on Libyan mode. That's funny. Or, you know, access Libyan mode or whatever. And just, I'd never heard that before. Yeah. I don't remember ever hearing it. And it made me laugh. And and it's actually kind of a subtle, it's not only a subtle reference to the 80s, but a subtle Mm -hmm. reference to the first movie because Mm -hmm. it's Bill Brown. You know, so that's kind of, that's neat. I like that. I'm glad you pointed that out. 
But that, that dinner sequence to me was just uncomfortable and a lot of exposition on mm-hmm. how Marty wound up a loser and, you know, Jennifer married him because she felt it, it was just a lot of information that I don't know, just didn't feel right. Felt really forced to me. Right. And then the second half of the movie becomes this traipsing through the original movie. So it was almost like, I, I don't know. I mean, it, for me, the, the, the going to the future should have stuck. I don't know if going back was, I, I, I just, oh, I have so many issues with this movie. Oh, see, just, I, that's where we disagree then. I okay. think that going back to 19, 1955, mm-hmm. the way they did it, I thought was brilliant. I, I love that sequence a lot. That's what makes me really like the movie is the okay. revisiting 1955 and how they interwove the old, uh, the old sequences with the new. Mm-hmm. I thought it, was it was definitely clever. Fun. It was, yeah. it was definitely some ground breaking uh, special effects, mm-hmm. you know, where you see the, the actors, you know, sharing the scene with themselves essentially. And you know, that's some sort of split screen going on, but it's done more seamlessly than we've seen in the past. Mm-hmm. Uh, it really, there was some really good, you know, FX work done there. Um, but there was so many times where it's like, okay, Marty, you know what's going to happen. Use that to your advantage. Mm-hmm. And he wouldn't. <laughs> it's like, oh, come on, yeah. man. <laughs> I can't count how many times it's like, this This sequence has gone on really long. This is mm-hmm. kind of weird. All right, you're on a hoverboard and the car is chasing you. All right, just wait. Mm-hmm. Let it catch up and ride the freaking hood. You can do that. Mm-hmm. I'm like, oh my god! There was just so many things. I was like, why? <laughs> Honey, what what'd you think? I remember I sit back and just enjoy the movie for the movie and not necessarily uh-huh. dive deep into it. Um, I have I watched it more than a week and a half ago, okay. so it's not necessarily as fresh in my mind as it is um, for the two of you. Okay, um, but. Yeah, I'm just over here looking at the trivia stuff. So. Okay. Well, tell me some interesting trivia about this movie. Okay, let's see. Can you hear my chair? I can not hear your chair. Okay. I can hear my own chair. Yeah, I can hear that. Yeah, I'm trying um, to Okay, the ledge on the clock tower that Doc broke in Back to the Future 1985 is still mm. broken in 2015. So they Is it really? It. Yep. I saw the chart to the, the clock face itself. So I, 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 I was, you know, that was a nice little tip. This is the first film appearance by Elijah Wood. He plays one of the two video game boys to whom Marty speaks in the diner near the start of the film. Oh, right, right. Um, let's see. And that, that was another sequence that sets up the Old West sequel. Because mm-hmm. Marty, no, it's like an Old West game where he shoots cowboys. So they, they sort of shoehorned in Marty being able to play cowboy basically and shoot well, the gun and Biff is watching the old western where Clint Eastwood is you know uses the boilerplate under his uh, cloak to act as a bulletproof vest kind of a thing and then you mm-hmm. know that's going to be the you know spoilers that's the gimmick in in 3 mm-hmm. Oh so, yeah 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 See that that's fun the the middle section where we go back to sort of Biff 1985 or Biff the millionaire Mhm that to me that sort of the the tone of that sequence is completely different than the tone of the rest of the movies you know basically you know both one and three that that has like a darker tone uh 
and it's supposed to, but it doesn't feel like a Back to the Future movie for like that half hour. Does that make sense? Yeah, yeah. No, I, I, I can see that. I can see that. I, I don't know if, if it does or not, but it just, I because no, the the era is is darker. It it doesn't feel like as light and fun as the, uh, at least to me. Right. And uh, and how many uh, how many allegories to a a certain businessman of the yeah. era? You know. Uh huh. Oh <laughs> yeah. Know? Excellent point. <laughs> I mean, Biff, Biff was basically like, let's put a mirror up in front of somebody in particular yeah. and reflect that guy, and, uh, and and let people see just mm-hmm. how how terrible it is. And here we are, you know, what thirty years later. Actually, I have a question about Biff's family. Yeah. If if you notice in. 2015, there's Grandpa Biff and his grandson Griff. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And then in 1955, you got Biff living with his grandmother. Right. Where are Biff's parents and where is uh, Biff's kid? Biff's, Griff's, Griff's kid. No, that's a, Griff's, Griff's parents. Yeah, that's, that's, I, you know what? I hadn't even thought of that. That's an interesting kind of cycle there not that it so, matters but so there's five generations of of tanner tannin in the movie and only only three of them are actually you know viewable at any moment in time yeah that's it that okay i wonder if that's some sort of it, it might um speak to uh biff's general character um personality is that um he could have some resentment if he doesn't have like parents or parents might Mm-hmm. Um, be um, uh, missing or um, absent from their uh, um, life. I'm trying to figure out what I want to say. I'm mm-hmm. tired. You're tired. I am. That's what you get for all those late nights playing WoW. I didn't play WoW last night. Uh-huh. I didn't. Sure. I didn't. I was playing Merged Dragons on my phone. Oh, see? <laughs> all right. <laughs> Uh, damn Nancy. I'm telling you. I'm blaming her. That's fine. Uh, She'll blame uh, you right back. It'll be fine. Yeah, I'm trying to see if there's anything like uh, background in regards to uh, the Tannen family. Because we get to see, was it Biff's uh, great-grandfather in number three or great-great-grandfather? Yeah, something okay, like that. Great or great, great. Yeah, yeah, because they're like in eighteen eighty-five, if I remember. Because mm-hmm. they kept setting that up because the the DeLorean's, uh, you know, time setting would always glitch and go to eighteen eighty-five. Mm-hmm. Hey, did you see? I, I was just looking up some trivia, and you know how when uh, Marty goes back to twenty fifteen, there's that the movie theater that's showing Jaws nineteen. Yeah. On October 25th, 2015, or 21st, 2015, the real one in our time, the the makers of Back to the Future released a fake teaser trailer for <laughs> Jaws 19. That's amazing. And it described all the movies before it. There was you know, the Jaws, Jaws 2, Jaws 3D, uh, Jaws 4. Then you get to, uh, let's see, Jaws 6. Uh, well, Jaws 5 was just business. Jaws 6 was pure pleasure, suggesting a romantic subplot. Oh, Jaws 7 was Cyber Jaws. 
suggesting that Jaw that the shark had gone digital. Jaws eight was Robo Jaws. Uh, <laughs> Jaws nine featured Chief Brody's grandson assembling a super team of shark hunters. Jaws ten was Man versus Shark versus all the terrors of the deep. Uh, Jaws 11 took place in outer space. Jaws 12 was a prequel. Jaws 13 was Jaws 12 Part 2, a sequel to the prequel. Jaws 14 had Jaws starting a family. Jaws 15, Jaws battled a Russian shark named Ivan Sharkovsky. <laughs> Jaws 16, Jaws took a bite out of the Big Apple. Jaws, <laughs> Jaws 17 was, was 50 scales of gray. Oh, Jaws, no. Jaws learns about love from a, a mysterious stranger. <laughs> Jaws 18 was the mind-blowing reboot. And finally, Jaws 19 was the oceans are disappearing and to save their home, the sharks must attack. This time, it's really, really personal. Oh, my God. Talk about dedication to a joke. Um, That's amazing. So I, I like uh, the, the the Rocky Four spoof, the Ivan Shar- Sharkovsky. Where Jaws battles a Russian shark. Right. Mm-hmm. Nice little Rocky Four reference there. Yeah. Unbelievable. Um, Nike's even working on self-lacing sneakers. Did they? I think I remember hearing something about that. Mm-hmm. You know, it's just it's interesting <coughs> to see how much. I mean, we can we can scour the 2015 sequence and see what actually almost fits. I mean, the, 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 of course, the wardrobe is ridiculous. Yeah. The you know, wardrobe because, oh, and the flying cars are almost the only thing that they didn't sort of get right. Right. It's not even, they weren't even close. Yeah. I don't, flying cars are a thing that they always try and throw in the future just to show that it's the future, though. Yeah, the, the um, self-lacing uh, shoes were introduced in uh, 2019. The 20. new Nike... Adapt BB basketball shoe. Okay. Of the Nike Hyper Adapt One, the first multi purpose multi purpose performance shoe to feature power lacing. Okay. They're Bluetooth connected and reti- require an app to tighten. And I guess the closest we're getting to a hoverboard is is that one wheel that keeps trying to kill Koski. Yeah, no kidding. <laughs> Which kind of reminds me of something right out of um, the, the 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 strip in the Funny Papers BC, you know. Yeah, but uh, ah, man, I don't know. It's just this was definitely a roller coaster ride, and, it, and when you look at it in the reference that this is for me, when you look at it in the reference that it was setting up what would eventually be the big movie, the you know number three, which we'll talk about next week. Um, it, it it just it, you can't throw the movie away if you want to see three. You got to know what's going on, so. Mm-hmm. It's the bridge between one and two. It's not a continuation of the story. It's it's really for me. It's the trapeze that gets you that gets McFly from the first movie to the third movie. You know, and it's just oh my god, alone on its own. You're like, what did I just sit through? <laughs> I don't know. I just I'm sticking to my guns on that one. That's it's just a wild, wild. What the hell's going on, ride? Well, I think it was Zemeckis or. I think it was Robert Zemeckis that said if he knew they were going to make a sequel, he wouldn't have put Jennifer in the car at the end of the first one. Mm-hmm. And I think that because then you had to have Jennifer meet her. There was like a whole scene with Jennifer, that dinner sequence that I don't like. Mm-hmm. That probably wouldn't have happened and they would have replaced maybe with something better. Yeah. 
And yeah, the, needles come. Well, why are we supposed to dislike needles? We've never met him before. Why? I know. Apparently, he's like this this age old character. But it's like, wait, I don't remember him at all. He, I went. I, I looked to see if he was like a member of Marty's band or something. Someone that Marty knew beforehand. Oh, and I hate the part where Marty is set off by the word chicken. Oh. Yeah, that being it, shoehorned in there is ridiculous. It really does feel very, you know, ham fisted. Really, mm. like. What is this all about? Yeah. Because they didn't hint at it in the first movie, did they? No, they, they, didn't. they didn't. They didn't. Uh, I read it was because they wanted to give Marty a flaw to uh, sort of provide for his downward spiral of life and two. But that because, no, he had an accident because someone called him a chicken. And mm-hmm. it, it just seemed a really weak reason. Yeah. It's, it just really, I don't know. I just, it. It didn't turn me off. It was just it was just uncomfortable. It was like, okay, this just feels forced. You know. But. Well, in the third one, instead of chicken, he's he's called yellow. So Mm-hmm. What are you, McFly Yellow? I, I for some reason that really bugs me that Marty's set off by a dumb word like that. It's just his Achilles heel in the, the movie. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and it's just like like Billy and I were pointing out, it just feels really ham-fisted and kind of thrown in there. Um, so we've talked about the depiction of the future. We've talked about you know character replacements, actor replacements. Uh, okay, Billy, you and I disagree on on you know we both understand that the movie has flaws. For me, it detracted from the movie. For you, it's kind of like I don't. I'm not gonna say enhance the movie. That kind of be silly, but. What is it about this movie you really like? What what makes you enjoy it so much? I, I think they did a really clever way of explaining time travel and how the way they changed the future with the sports almanac, mm-hmm. which is mm-hmm. one of the things that people remember fondly about the movie is the whole sports almanac, betting on games. Right, right. Uh, that, that set up uh, an alternate timeline and then having the, I thought it was clever having to go back to the night of the enchantment under the sea dance to set everything right. Mm-hmm. I thought technically it was really good. And I, I love sort of the, the things where you see the same thing over, like a lot of movies have done the thing where they, you see things from different people's point of view like the same sequences over and over again from different people's point of view. And mm-hmm. this time you see it from the uh, alternate Marty's point of view. And I, I just thought the way they did it was clever. And because it's it was such a good sequence in number one, in Back to the Future 1, I liked seeing it again from an alternate point of view and how they how cleverly they worked in Biff's whereabouts and the the almanac, which, by the way, that that thing's not even the size of a fantasy football magazine that comes out every every September. You know, no, that that part is. It, I mean, that's just a little nit to pick, I suppose. But something uh, a proper that has sports with... score for the last fifty years. Yeah, it would be size of a large uh, original version mm-hmm. encyclopedia. Yeah, no, for yeah. real. I, I used to get these books, uh, baseball books called the the Bill James Abstract, or mm-hmm. Bill James put together a million stats, and the things were the size of they were like seven hundred pages. So you're not going to get all the the scores and stats in that 
one magazine that, mm-hmm. that they had, but that's like that. That's a silly, you no know, nitpick, I suppose. But I, I, I just like the 1955 sequence a lot. I, I think it's it's clever. I thought it was it was cute and funny, and except for the car chase again, I, you know, that was just too long. But I like the way they worked in, you know, Marty showing up at the site of the DeLorean going back to 1985, right at the very end. Yeah. That, that, that whole kind of sequence was, you, you, you could almost see it like, cause they kept focusing more on the background behind doc. So you're like, okay, he's going to be showing. And there he is. Okay, cool. Mm-hmm. And, and so it was, I, you know, it was interesting to see how everything kind of just knits together at one mm-hmm. point. And, and I think, for me, it was right around the the last, I'd say, that the last 15 minutes that I liked how it flowed. It seemed to calm down. Like, they got to where they wanted to go with the story, and now they're going to go ahead and progress at a more kind of a quote-unquote normal pace at this point and let things kind of start unfolding as they may. Um, so it, it just, I don't know. But like I said, I don't think it's a bad movie, but there's just so much going on. Like, I see a sequel, you know, I'm thinking... Like Star Trek Two, I'm thinking a James Bond movie. I'm thinking, you know, Harry Potter is a. There's a whole another story to be told along the way, you know, like a stepping stone kind of thing. This, is, as I mentioned before, this just to me is just it, it. It's the trapeze between two platforms, and and it's wow. There's a lot. It's almost like J.J. Abrams went back in time and directed this particular movie instead of doing a Star Wars one. Hmm. That's funny. <laughs> uh. So, Tanya, take us through the trivia. Okay, hold on. I'm looking at the goofs. You're looking at the who's? The goofs. goofs. Oh, the goofs. For a second, I thought you said goose. And I'm like, what? <laughs> I, I don't know. There could, there could be a goose. No, I, I don't, don't remember geese being in this movie. <laughs> no. No, I'm looking at um, just... Uh, uh, la, 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 la. Hold on. Uh, trivia. Oh, back to the the Jaws nineteen thing. Uh, uh-huh. The name of the director of Jaws nineteen, Max Spielberg. Oh, jeez. <laughs> who was obviously like a son or grandson of? Actually, it's the real name of Steven Spielberg's son. I was going to ask if that was uh, yep, Spielberg's born, kid. Max Max uh, Spielberg was born in June of eighty five. So okay, see, like, so there you have it. <laughs> Looks like he he wound up directing Jaws nineteen in two thousand fifteen. The sequel to his father's original. Uh-huh. That's amazing. See, that's a nice little tip of the hat. It's fun things like that when you can do Easter eggs like that. That's kind of that's cool to me. Okay, well, Griff's pit bull hoverboard was originally to be called Mad Dog to foreshadow his character in Back to the Future Part Three. Mm-hmm. Um, that's one thing. Um. Uh... Carl Sagan considered this the greatest time travel movie ever made. He praised the accuracy in handling the multiple timelines as what would really happen if time travel were possible. In Back to the Future, the game, Carl Sagan is the alias used by Doc Brown when visiting Hill Valley in 1931. Huh. Um, we already talked about Elizabeth Shue being cast. And the mm-hmm. reason why. Um... The movie was the most advanced film for its time, using every trick in the book, according to Zemeckis. It was in the late 1980s when the concept of um, CGI was starting. However, in the film, very CGI effects were actually needed. 
The football scores Biff hears on the radio while driving are actual all actual scores from the November 12, 1955, and the UCLA Washington game. And he and old Biff listened to did end with UCLA kicker Jim Decker hitting the last second field goal to win. Uh, when Hill Valley was created for Back to the Future 1985, they built the town in the pristine 1955 condition, shot the middle of the movie, then damaged it for the 1985 town, it shot the beginning and end of the movie. When they decided to shoot Back to the Future Part 2, they had to clean the set up and restore it to the same condition it was 1955. It cost more to rebuild than it cost to build it from scratch. Jeez. <laughs> An earthquake struck during the filming of the cut sequence where the 2015 McFly family gathers around the table, and the crew was afraid the props may have moved around too much to edit the scene seamlessly. To their surprise, everything was exactly where it was supposed to be for the sequence. Well, that's good, I suppose. Mm. Except that's the worst part of the movie. Yeah, well. (laughs) Hydration level four. The date on the 2015 USA Today newspaper is October 22nd. That actually is Christopher Lloyd's birthday. Okay. Mm-hmm. Okay. Uh, this is a pretty long one. To commemorate the film, a fake teaser trailer spoofing the non-existent Jaws 19. Oh, that, that's the one I read, Tom. Oh, did you? Okay. Was, yeah. That was the one that with all the various uh, Jaws sequels. Yes. Okay. I was, must have been looking at the goose when you read that. So. The goose. Yeah. There's a goose in the there's a goose in this podcast. Mm-hmm. Uh very few of the original costumes from the Enchantment Under the Sea dance were used for the production of the sequel. Leah Thompson was the only actress present wearing her dress from the original movie. Oh wow. Huh. Mm-hmm. That'd make the costume designer just go and kind of lose their mind. Yeah. Oops. Where is everything? I had this just two years ago. Many shows from the 1980s are featured on the televisions inside the cafe 80s, including Family Ties and Taxi, mm-hmm. which originally starred Michael, Michael J. Fox and Christopher Lloyd. Mm-hmm. Uh, Cute. Let's see. Oh, here it goes. The film introduces a new character trait for Marty, losing his temper and self-control when someone calls him a chicken. Robert Zemeckis and Bob Gale added this idea because they felt Marty did not have any character flaws in the first film. <laughs> One thing I, I think is, is we're back to needles. Do you know, it, he has this five minute enemy who shows up named needles. And then in, in the first movie his band was the pinheads. <laughs> I don't know if there's a connection, but well, did, did you see who played needles? I flee from the red hot chili. Yeah. Pepper, so I thought yeah. that was interesting. And I just saw it somewhere in, in that same list. I'm looking at it too, Tanya. There's a thing about Flea. Oh, um, here it is. I see it. Having to fly along. It, his scene could have been filmed anywhere. Yeah. But right. he had to fly from wherever the Chili Peppers were on tour. So there's a uh, lot of- Yeah, it says, Flea was touring with the Red Hot Chili Peppers, and according to him, uh, flew really far away to film his scenes and had slept for two hours the night before. Flea shot his scenes in one day and then flew back to the tour that night. He said his, that much of his time was a blur, saving, save for having lost a sweater his grandmother knitted for him on the way to shooting his scenes, and that other than seeing the premiere, he hadn't hasn't seen the trilogy since. Huh. 
Ah, uh, I tell you, show I mean, business, man. It's weird casting to have him play a character no one has any connection to. I, I, I hate that sequence for some reason. Well, there's a, it's, it's again, it's just there's a lot of things that are ham-fisted and shoved together to try and make this whole thing work, and it's just it just it's uncomfortable. Yeah, that's probably the best way to describe it's uncomfortable. There are some sequences that are just hilarious, and they're intentionally hilarious, so it's good that they are. You know, but it's just, oh, why are you doing this? Why are you, oh, come on. Oh, stop. Oh, ow, ow. My heart hurts right now. Make it stop. You know, that's basically where I am right now. (laughs) I think maybe because when I originally saw it in the theater back in, you know, late 1989, maybe 1990, Mm -hmm. uh, my expectations were so low because critics really did dislike it. Mm-hmm. Well, that was my impression that I was more delighted by it at the time than I expected to be. Plus, I remember it was a double feature with Drop Dead Fred with Phoebe. Cage. Oh my God, what a movie! What a classic! <laughs> yeah, Drop Dead Fred. Is that that's Phoebe Cates is in that one, right? Yes, she is. Jesus, a silly movie, which yeah. and not a good one. So maybe that's another reason why Back to the Future Two looks so good to me. Well, there you go. Comparing, comparing mm-hmm. along. Well, then, I mean, at least we know it gives us something to look forward to, which is, which is the movie we're going to talk about next week of Back to the Future 3, uh, where we go back to the Old West. <clears throat> and uh, not the era I would have chosen, but there you have it. Moving on. Uh, they they um, pre, uh, well, what's the word? They foreshadowed it. Yes. In the first one, right? Did they talk about it in the first one? I don't think so. I don't. I, I know in the second one they did. They during like the video montage of Biff's rise to glory. Mm-hmm. They mentioned Mad Dog Tannen. There was some. There was a lot of um, stuff that was laced in through the second movie. Like the, then Doc at one points make references to he wants to go back to the old west and and check because that's like his favorite you know era to study and stuff like yeah. that. But I don't remember any. I mean, you you really do see, you know, the Star Wars effect here. Where you made a movie and you had you probably had some ideas. Hey, it'd be great if it took off. We could probably do this, but nobody anticipated that Back to the Future, the first one, was actually going to be the hit that it turned out to be, and that they would actually get the opportunity to create sequels. So, like you know, with George Lucas, Star Wars the original was this self-contained package um, that had a, you know, beginning, middle end done, mm-hmm. you know, they scored the victory. They, the good guys win, bad guys lose moving on. Um, you know, you know, Darth Vader goes spiraling off into the distance, but that's really all you see for a, a sequel, you know? And, and so everything that has been built on the star Wars franchise from then has been built on the premise of, Oh shit, we didn't know we were going to be successful. Exactly. Uh, so scramble, scramble, scramble. And now we figure something out. So and, this is and, and the, the very first piece of trivia on that IMDb page. So according mm-hmm. to Michael J. Fox, he found out there was going to be a sequel to Back to the Future when he watched the VHS version, and the words "to be continued" were added <laughs> at the end. He <laughs> called his agent to make sure he was going to be in the sequel. <laughs> That's funny. If this is a thing, I need to be a part of it, right? Yeah, and they did a good job of reassembling the whole cast, except for Crispin Glover. Everyone yeah. seen it. Including yeah. the principal, right? Yeah, everybody they got was everyone there. Back. So, so I don't know. It's just it's it's just 
Whew, what a ride. It was just, like, I was surprised. I, I, I got to tell you, I am very good if when I'm uncomfortable with a movie, I will just, because I have this luxury these days with streaming services and whatnot, I'll turn it off and go and go wander off and I'll, or I'll, yeah. I'll switch to something else. I hung in there for this one. I want, I want credit for that. I'm just, that's, that's like shameless self-promotion right now. That I, wanted to, I, want, I want credit for getting all the way through this damn thing. I said, Susan was sort of watching it with me and I had a feeling she didn't love it. Mm-hmm. You know, she didn't say anything. Which to me is also <laughs> sort of, she didn't have any thoughts, opinions. She just sort of, okay, it's over. And I know she's seen it before, mm-hmm. but I I think I definitely like it the most out of any of us. Right. And, and there are definitely parts that I don't like at all. So, yeah. But you know what? Um you know, it's it's a piece of pop culture at this point. It's something that people reference all the time, and you know, and and especially right around the 2014 to 2016, you know, span of time, people were picking this movie apart and mm-hmm. saying, okay, what are you know, what's accurate, what's not, what are we looking at, you know, what's um. And I and, think within the last six years, mm-hmm. uh, since 2015, they've gotten even more stuff right. You know, like the Alexa sort of house, the smart house, mm-hmm. the smart house. Yeah, which you no. Know, at that point, Marty and Jennifer weren't exactly swimming in money, right? Kids, so that was pretty common for, I guess. Well, they admitted their TV screen was broken. They had the little wave down at the bottom because no one could fix. They couldn't afford to get it fixed or a new one. Mm-hmm. But, but they have like the pizza. Yeah, how about Pizza Hut with the nice little plug in there? Oh yeah, they got their product shot. And Pete and Pepsi again. I have not had Pizza Hut. I think it's got to be. I'm closing mm-hmm. in on ten years since I've had Pizza Hut. Yeah, it's been a while. Yeah, Rochester has too men too much real good pizza. Right. Like mom and pop pizza places, and it, there's too much good pizza in Rochester to worry about Pizza Hut. Whereas I think probably down south, Pizza Hut may be the best you got or Domino's. Mm-hmm. So I don't know. I don't, is there a Pizza Hut left in Rochester? Oh, wait, the yeah. one doing Denise, huh? Right. One at the corner, right, right around the corner from my old house. Yeah. Yeah. I can't think of any others at the moment. I'm sure there's got to be something on the east side. Yeah. All right, we're going to take a quick break. And uh, and when we do, we're going to come back and we'll do our usual question of the week. And and we'll wrap this one up. And uh, we'll let Tanya have some fun with her, her family. And uh, and then we'll uh, we'll talk about Back to the Future 3 next week. Hey folks, James Irish here from our sister podcast, Gaming Street Irregulars, with a GSI movie moment. I wanted to pop in and talk about the arcade game Marty McFly finds in the 80s cafe. Wild Gunman actually has a long history in Japan, being derived from both Nintendo's pre-video game amusements and the Kasenju light gun toy product line they produced since the 1970s. In its various incarnations, it's a pretty simple test of speed, where you simply draw and fire your gun at the mean hombres when they say, before they can shoot you. It first came to America as part of the test release of the NES on October 18th of 1985, exactly three days before Marty went forth into the past. And unlike fellow Zapper games Duck Hunt and Hogan's Alley, it did not appear in a dedicated arcade cabinet before or after that. 
This, naturally, makes the odds of Marty McFly being able to get one of the test-launch NES systems in the real world very slim. This was a 17-year-old kid who had to hide a road trip from his parents, after all, so flying across the country to buy an expensive luxury product would have been blatantly unlikely. So unless we want to chalk this one up to an anachronism, we have to play a little game of what if. Marty might have come across an import of the Japanese Famicom system, having been turned on to it via the bulletin board systems that comprised the primitive version of the internet available in the 1980s, something a kid with his curiosity and kinship with the tech-crazed Doc Brown might have had interest and access to. Of course, the third movie comes along, and Marty chalks up his shooting skills to 7-Eleven, putting us right back in anachronism territory. <laughs> oh, well, funny how this is what bugs me in a time travel movie. This has been a GSI movie moment, and until we meet again, game on! All right, so we're back, ladies and gentlemen, boys and girls, dudes and dudettes, and all points uh, in between and beyond. Um, I hope you guys are having fun so far today. We are, uh, we're, we're entertained. We always entertain ourselves. Uh, although, yeah, I can definitely tell the difference of, of for five weeks in a row, we, or four, four weeks in a row, we um, got a chance to see each other in person, and we, we were getting kind of a groove back, and now suddenly we're, we're remote again. But, you know. And it's okay. I mean, it's okay. We work around it. We are we are trained professionals. Don't try this at home. But I've got a question of the week. It's kind of cool. You um, do? Yes, I do. Uh, I found the Geek Question of the Day website, geekquestioner.com, and uh, the latest questions. So Billy and Tanya, and I'm going to go to Billy first because I know this is right up your alley. Oh. Uh, assuming you had one, what would your personal theme song or anthem be? Oh, I got the answer, actually. Nice! I know it. I, American I, Pie. I've, no, I, I've, I've joked about this for years, and Susan and I were just talking about it yesterday. Just because, it, it, like, you know, I, I'm a huge baseball fan. Right. And one day we were talking about what would your walk-up song be. And just as a joke, oh, I, I, I got another story about it, but The Wreck of the Edmund <laughs> Fitzgerald by Gordon Lightfoot. Oh, jeez. Just because it'd be so ridiculous and leave everyone confused. <laughs> and th this actually started off because one day I was scrolling through Twitter and Rob Lowe, uh, you know, the actor, we all know who he is, yep. uh, mentioned how the wreck of the Edmund Fitzgerald is his favorite song and his wife hates it. And it must be a guy thing. And I replied to him, uh, say, I love the song too. In fact, if it was my, if, if I was a major league baseball player, it'd be my walk-up song. And he wound up replying to me and retweeting it. Oh, that's and funny. I wound up with like 400 likes. It was like the most likes I ever got on anything. That's amazing. Well, because Rob Lowe retweeted it. So <laughs> ever since then, my joke has been my walk-up song is The Wreck of the Edmund Fitzgerald. Because <laughs> I have no idea what that is. Oh, um, we'll play that song for you uh, after, we're, after we're done recording. Long time ago and the legend is down by the big lake they call Gitchigumi. Just because it, I want the... The word Gitchagumi in my walk-up song. There you go. See, that's a thing. So Wreck of the Edmund Fitzgerald's my, my theme song or whatever the question was you asked. Okay. Because I've been joking about it for years. And now, to the point where it's I'm serious about it now. 
<laughs> serious about it. Yeah. As before, I was joking, but now this is it. Yeah. So, so if I know we're not going to be able to pull it off this this FC three, but if we're able to do a monkey business podcast live at a future FC three, as Billy walks into the the panel room, <laughs> you're going to be playing the wreck of the Edmund Fitzgerald. It's going to happen. I think Gordon Lightfoot's coming to town soon. In fact, I may go just to uh, hear it. Yeah. That'd be great. Even though I have access to the, it's not even one of my favorite songs, but it's just become, it's become, it's become my piece. It's become a thing, you know, it's come ingrained into the Billy experience. How about you, Tanya? Um, If you could pick a theme song, I'm assuming it's probably going to have something to do with Fleetwood Mac, but it's entirely possible. I could be wrong there. You know, that was kicking around my head, but, um, I don't know. I like so many songs, but what would be my my theme song? Mm-hmm. Uh, I, uh, trying to think if there's a song with the with the name Tanya in it. Quite a few, I assume. Huh? Jeez, oh, I almost what? went looking. I almost did a Google search on my uh, ZenCaster window. That would have been bad. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> oh, I... there's a band called the Be Good Tanyas. Uh, I don't know, Billy. What 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 would you think a theme song would be for me? You, See, you're I, the first thing I thought of was Fleetwood Mac. Also, I don't know yeah. what your favorite Fleetwood Mac song is, but Rhiannon, it's mine. I, I would, I would, it, would, it would have to probably be um, uh, "Don't Stop." Okay, okay, that's you. But, uh, uh, it's definitely a Fleetwood Mac song. Mm-hmm. Um, I I was. Uh, uh, it kicked around the back of my head. I will survive by Gloria Gaynor. Uh, uh, I don't know. I just found a YouTube link to a guy who sings the Tanya song, and it's basically like the it's like Woody Harrelson doing the Kelly song in Cheers. Oh, it's just a guy singing Tanya, 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 Tanya. <laughs> that would get annoying. <laughs> that that would get annoying. <clears throat> um. Oh, I, I would yeah, I think you guys are right. It would probably have to be one of the Fleetwood Mac songs. Uh, and you know, really, they have to start vacuuming now. <laughs> I can't hear them if it's any consolation. Yeah, me neither. Ay, ay, ay. It's like right above my head. Um, Yeah, so we're going to go with the Fleet... Uh, don't Stop by uh, Fleetwood Mac. Okay, Chris, go ahead. Pat Benatar, <laughs> Pat Benatar, all fired up. Oh, nice! Because it's got that great kind of like you're not sure what's about to happen part where you get you got the kind of like this this little staccato guitar riff, da, 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 da. and then all of a sudden it just explodes, and you're like, yeah! <laughs> and that you 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 inspire. I had an idea of something else I wanted to say. Um, but then you were like the walk-up song, and I'm like, that would be amazing because like you could hear the opening riffs, and and then all of a sudden, bam, and there I am, ta-da! <laughs> so, <laughs> so that would be my my walk-up song. Um, I would expect for Dan, it would have to be something with De- Debbie Gibson involved. But what for Dan on is an honorific. I am going to um, I'm going to declare. Uh, Les Miserables, do you hear the people sing? That would be his thing, because he would be like the kind of the guy who would just be standing there very quietly, you know, cape flowing in the breeze while everybody's singing around him in this great orchestral number, and he's going he's gonna to be like, what the hell are you talking about? <laughs> it'll be the Les Miserables cast with, with Debbie Gibson was in it, so it'll be, it'll be like a whole kind of a package for him. Nice. So, 
So I think we're good. We're in good shape for this week. As and you know, again, if it's any consolation, Tanya, I do not hear a vacuum cleaner. So you're in good shape over there. Okay, so that's got to be like maybe Riker or Nene because Rand- mm-hmm. I don't know if it's Randy. Randy's already posted a picture to Facebook a couple minutes ago, uh, sitting on the deck, looking at the looking at out at the pool. Mm-hmm. So, uh, yeah. So I think I think that might be Riker because I can hear her talking. But I think that's what I'm going to be doing pretty soon is going to put my suit on and jumping in the pool. How, how have right. you trained your kids to do housework? Um, actually, Riker will do everything and anything because he's motivated by Nene giving him money for Legos. <laughs> <laughs> he can be bribed. Yes, he, he, can, he can be. Uh, I know because he'll actually um, go through and dust her room and things like that and get the little uh, Swiffer duster and go through her room and everything and mm-hmm. dust and, and uh, vacuum and things like that. Just because um, her being unsteady on her feet that doing the vacuum cleaner would not be. No. It's on the, the foyer floor now. Uh, great. <laughs> All right. Well then, so, <laughs> okay. Then, then for, for Tanya and for Billy, for Dan and for Susan, for Randy and for Riker and for the vacuum cleaner in the foyer, my name is Chris and I'm going to say at this point, Hey Dan. Yes. Hey Dan. Oh yes. Dan, your voice went up, but anyway, hit it. <laughs> Because this has been FC3's Monkey Business, a product of the Mighty Monkey Corporation, purveyors and producers of the Flower City Comic Con, coming at you like a spider monkey, September 25th and 26th of 2021 at the Total Sports Experience in Gates. Like us on Facebook, follow us on Instagram, follow us on Twitter, follow us wherever we go, and we will lead you to where the entertainment is. You guys have a great week, have a safe week, and we will talk to you again in 1955. Dun dun. Dun dun. dun. <laughs> <laughs> I forgot. <He's> back. <laughs> Great Scott! <laughs>